Halls of Fame celebrate the most elite and legendary leaders in their field, but there's no one to honor the Halls of Fame themselves for their contributions. Until now. Join me as I tour the country, inducting these revered institutions into my own personal Hall of Fame of Halls of Fame. Along the way, I'll interview the curators and historians who fill these destinations with priceless artifacts and inspiring stories. I'm Bradley Barth, and this is Hall Pass. Today's Hall Pass grants us access to the Robot Hall of Fame in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The brainchild of a Carnegie Mellon University dean, the hall was formed in 2003 and an exhibit was opened a few years later inside the Carnegie Science Center. The hall features 34 inducted robots, both fictional and real-life ones. While not all of the robots are physically represented in the museum, the full list is available online and some of the most popular inductees are depicted here as replicas. Today I'll be interviewing Marcus Harshaw, Senior Director of Museum Experiences. We'll talk about the nuts and bolts of hosting the Robot Hall of Fame, including his all-time favorite movie, Bot, how advances in AI are presenting new opportunities for the museum, and who would win in a robot fight. Marcus, the Robot Hall of Fame, founded in 2003 by the Computer Science Division of Carnegie Mellon University right here in Pittsburgh. The initial induction ceremony was right at the Science Center. You continue to have an affiliation uh, with the Robot Hall of Fame. Some of the inductees are still represented here uh, in your halls. Tell me a little bit about the, the beginnings of the Robot Hall of Fame and your continuing ongoing relationship with it. Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. So the Robot Hall of Fame really started uh, as this online effort, you know, this grassroots sort of online effort to really bring awareness to a lot of great work being done sort of in Carnegie Mellon University and highlight robots throughout um, history um, and bring awareness to those those things. If we went here a couple of years ago, there was a big Robo World exhibit here. Right. Uh, all of the inductees uh, were represented in one way or another. And then in the name of progress, you know, nothing ever stays the same, of course, at a, at a science center. So there's now a new exhibit uh, based around Mars. But you do still have some of the robots here in, in your main uh, movie theater uh, gallery area. So I am curious, what right now, I know the last induction that happened was uh, a couple of years ago. It was the robots from the Mystery Science Theater mm. 3000. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what's the current status of the Robot Hall of Fame? Do we still uh, expect to see it represented here in one fashion or another? Yeah, absolutely. So Carnegie Science Center is committed to being at the forefront of science, right? And also committed to our relationship with Carnegie Mellon University and the Entertainment Technology Center which is really our main partner uh, in Robot Hall of Fame. And so, you know, even as the Science Center progresses, even with this most recent progression uh, in 2022, we want to make sure that we still have that. And we want to make sure we still showcase these robots to really capture people's imaginations and get them to think uh, more critically about their world around them and how these robots were portrayed in the, in the past and how robots actually help us here on Earth today. And even though right now you can't go here and see every single robot represented in the Hall of Fame, and I believe there are 34 in total mm -hmm. actually that have been inducted, 
Um, you can see a, a portion of them here. Uh, the Robot Hall of Fame does still live online, right? That you can look up uh, all of the uh, inductees, uh, learn more about them. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, again, sort of back to that original online uh, effort to showcase these robots still exists today. Uh, people can still go check all those inductees out. The ones, the selections that we have here at Carnegie Science Center I think are some of the best, some of my favorite robots from the Hall of Fame are the ones that we have right here, literally right behind my office. Is it still a possibility that we could see future inductees as well? I absolutely hope so. Um, I have a couple of favorites. The more that um, other sort of uh, space and sci-fi films uh, are coming out, um, I have some newer favorites every couple of years that I would love to see inducted into the Hall of Fame here. Okay, great. And we can probably get into some of that more even a little bit later. Uh, it is interesting that the Robot Hall of Fame features a cross-section of both uh, beloved fictional robots and then also real-life application mm -hmm. robots. Uh, why is it important to show uh, both facets of robots, both the uh, non-fictional and, and fictional side of, of robotics? Sure, I think it, what's important about that is really showing th the general public that comes here and sees these that, um, you know, sometimes art imitates life, right? And sometimes vice versa, right? So there's some great robots that have that were around in the early 30s and even in the 40s in different TV and, and uh, film um, that you're seeing sort of now like, wow, um, these things are actually coming to be, to, coming to pass um, as actual robots here. So I think it's important to see both sides and mostly specifically here to Science Center. It's important for us that everybody understands that you, that, you know, science is iterative. Right. And so we build on things as we learn new things. Um, and robots are sort of a way that we are able to showcase that. Yeah. And just to give uh, our listeners even an idea of what I'm talking about, uh, you know, on the fictional side, clearly, if you can imagine some of the most iconic robots uh, from film and television history, you have things like, you know, the Terminator and C-3PO and R2-D2 and characters like that. But on the practical side, you do get things like the Asimo robot mm -hmm. that Honda created. You have uh, the big dog uh, quadrupedal uh, military robot. You have uh, Shaky, the first robot that was able to uh, apply reason to the uh, commands that it's given. So really uh, interesting uh, mix of robots. So I'm going to ask you, what is your personal favorite fictional robot amongst mm. the collection? And what's your favorite uh, practical real-life robot in the collection? So I love that question. I'll start with my favorite practical robot. My favorite practical robot is the Roomba. I think that is terrific, and I have one. <laughs> so it's like, yes, I too can feel like I'm part of the future. Um, my, my floors in my house are always spotless. It's amazing. <laughs> my favorite fictional robot, which will come as absolutely no surprise to any of my friends, is actually C-3PO. It's absolutely one of my favorites. Growing up watching Star Wars as a kid and thinking, like, wow, like a just gold-plated robot like that was super smart. Um, it is super cool. So in our Hall of Fame, that one is definitely definitely my favorite. All right, I think those are both good, solid choices. The the Roomba is an interesting one because I do know some people who have had Roombas. I've I've of course some of them have had really good experiences with it. Now, do you have pets at all? 
No, I do not. Okay, because that's the one thing with Roombas, and I think you know where I may be going with this. Oh, yeah. And it actually happened to my cousin, that literal thing. So it's not, it wasn't just something that you read about in the news. I, I actually knew someone this happened to where they had dogs, and the dogs left some droppings on the floor, and then the Roomba just glided right over it, and then the entire floor got smeared. Oof. So I, I, I'm just saying, Roomba, I, I, I do uh, agree that it belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I, I will say also that, like, uh, you know, the Roomba does have a little bit of a, I don't know, a, little, a, a dark side to it a oh. little bit. It's a prankster. Oh, absolutely. And again, <laughs> you know, it's sort of tying into the Star Wars moment. There is always a dark side. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, yeah, you know... When when these various robots have been uh, chosen, uh, mm -hmm. my understanding was that there was a whole panel of distinguished jurists uh, who convened and went over each potential candidate uh, to approve or uh, decline uh, their entry into the Robot Hall of Fame. Can you give me a sense as to who were among the, uh, the great minds that you assembled uh, to ultimately make that decision of which robots got in and, and, and which robots got snubbed? Yeah, well, I snubbed. I love that. Um, and and why, here's why I love that is that, you know, what I think a lot of folks don't understand about the Robot Hall of Fame is it is truly this international juried Hall of Fame, right? It's a whole lot like the MLB Hall of Fame or the National Football League Hall of Fame. Like, it goes through a juried process, you know, when, when folks or robots are selected into the, into the Hall of Fame. And so, yeah, it's this international group that comes together to make that decision. Um, and, you know, what I would like to see is, again, I haven't seen it since since my time here at the Science Center, but I'd like to see us, you know, sort of reinvigorate a group to come back to, to add to our space. What's great is we've put our section of the robots or the Robot Hall of Fame in the Rango's Giant Cinema Lobby, which gives us a lot of room. Right, we have a lot more room than we would have had in the previous iteration of the Hall of Fame to to make some additions. So I think it's we're we're ready for that. Yeah. What are some of the criteria for being accepted into the Robot Hall of Fame? What put certain ones over the top compared to others? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things that are just age, right? So we have uh, Maria and Gort robots that are like standing sentry at the men's and women's restrooms back here in the lobby, which is really cool one of our brighter ideas sure yeah maria from uh, metropolis the fritz lang film 1920s and gort from the day the earth stood still um you know so we're looking for things that are over probably 20 or 25 years old things that are that have a lot of great significance um either in tv and film media um uh and you know things that really connect with people um things that drive people's imaginations um, and then some, sometimes it's just practically like some of the, what are the things that we can get uh, great, really authentic recreations of. You do have some really cool replicas of mm -hmm. some of the robots from the Hall of Fame in that main lobby. You have C-3PO, R2-D2, Gort, Maria, um, uh, who, who, Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet. Robbie. Yeah. Iron Giant uh, yeah. was there. Who created those? Who who made those for you? Yeah, well, I mean, it's different depending on the robot, depending on, you know, what resources we have available to us. Um, sometimes we've got um, some that have been done in-house uh, here at the Science Center. We've had some that we've worked with the students from Carnegie Mellon's entertainment uh, and technology uh, classes. Um, we've had, and, and then 
other folks in between, right? That have that have come together that are, have passion and are much smarter than I am <laughs> and know how to put together, you know, and build these robots. You also have a robot on the second floor who's not part of the Hall of Fame, but he's still uh, certainly a, a key uh, iconic part of the Carnegie Science Center as mm -hmm. a whole. It's Andy. And Andy is somebody who can give you information about the museum and you can also uh, program it to do uh, all sorts of things. Uh, tell me about Andy. Yeah, so Andy was really a, a, a uh, example of what I've kind of talked about and about how we've been able to see robots kind of move from one thing to another and sort of extend their lives because of the nature of them being robots, mm -hmm. right? And so when we were um, making our second floor change and we were thinking about the Hall of Fame and we were thinking about Andy and we were thinking about Hoops, the uh, basketball shooting robot, and we were like, you know, Hoops and Andy are these two robots that are iconic to the Science Center really help tell a story, but where are we going to put those that makes more sense? And what we did with Andy is we gave him a new lease on life, mm -hmm. really, by putting him in our main lobby and really making him sort of the Science Center concierge, right? So he's up there answering questions from as when's the next Rango's Giant uh, cinema film start to where do I pay for my parking, right? And a lot of everything in between. Yeah, so Andy was originally part of the Robo World exhibit that right. had previously existed. In other words, and you mentioned Hoops. I was going to ask about Hoops later, but I'll, I'll ask now since you sure. brought him up. Uh, but Hoops was also part of the Robo World exhibit. And this particular was a giant mechanical arm robot, basically, that uh, shoots... Uh, basketball uh, hoops at, with amazing accuracy. And now it's actually down in the sports science wing of your building, so you can still do it and you can try to basically see if you can best the robot. Uh, can you be as accurate as uh, hoops the, the robotic arm? And of course you can't because the, uh, the robot is gonna be far more accurate. Right, right. And it's, it's crazy because usually humans are about 20% accurate on the day, right? hundreds and hundreds of shots throughout a normal business day at the Science Center. Hoops will be in the upper 70s and the mid 80s, right? I mean, even Shaquille O'Neal only hit like in the 40s. So like <laughs> Hoops does a terrific job over there. I, I do remember going to that exhibit uh, years ago, and there was a lot of really cool stuff there. One of the things that I particularly remember uh, was uh, there there was a another robotic arm that could play uh, air hockey uh, mm -hmm. against you, and I remember uh, trying that out. And I actually played the air hockey robot arm to a tie. So I was very proud of that, and I actually figured if, if, if it ever came down to some kind of a... Uh, apocalyptic Armageddon, humans versus the robots. If if the fate of humankind depended on an air hockey game. I'm calling you. You you call me, I'm, I'm your guy. Because yeah. I, I could, at very, the very least, play to a draw. So I could buy us some time. <laughs> buy, and sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's all you need. Did any of the uh, creators, uh, developers, builders of any of these robots, or in the case of the fictional ones, those who uh, uh, created it for the the movies or TV? Did did any or or portrayed them? Uh, perhaps did any of them uh, ever come visit the Robot Hall of Fame? Yeah, so of course Anthony Daniels, the uh, actor that played C three PO, visited um, when C three PO was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I mean again, C three PO, my favorite by far. And, and I wasn't here at the time, so. Um, but he came out for that. We actually have an autographed uh, piece from him that we usually display with uh, with the exhibition. Uh, I think I also remember reading, going back to the panel, 
of jurists. Anthony Daniels might have been mm -hmm. a part of that. And, and, and I remember reading also that Arthur C. Clarke might have mm -hmm. been part of that panel. All right, so I did want to do one of my recurring bits with you, which I call superlatives. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out a bunch of different adjectives to you, and then you tell me the robot in the Robot Hall of Fame that best applies to that adjective or that you most associate with my descriptor word. Okay. So of the various robot inductees in your Hall of Fame, which one is the most inspiring most inspiring, um, I think it's probably Maria. Oh, okay, Maria from Metropolis. Yeah, in the film, she's disguised as a human woman to fool the public. In the robots we have, um, she's the only woman. And I think having that representation in that space mm -hmm. um, is, is really important. I mean, it's really part of why we do what we do here at the Science Center. Um, so I think, I think definitely Maria. That's interesting. That's a good one. Uh, from a uh, practical application standpoint, too, there are probably some good ones. I know you do have the uh, Da Vinci robotic surgery system, a significant breakthrough in the medical sciences. I think you also had PackBot. PackBot was involved in certain uh, cleanup or, or rescue operations around 9-11. Uh, which robot would you say is most endearing? Most endearing um, is probably... Oh, that's tough. Like, everybody loves an Iron Giant. <laughs> Which is like, what? It's Okay, I'll, I will say Iron Giant. Iron Giant, that's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's the, I mean, it's the biggest one that we have. Yeah. You can see him towering over my office. Um, and he's like, I was going to say he's probably one of the more easily recognizable yeah. of, of the robots we have. So Absolutely. And I, it's been a long while since I've fully watched that film, but it mm -hmm. is a real tearjerker. Uh, you, you really do come to empathize for uh, the, the kid and, and, and the robot. is a really great uh, film by Brad Bird. I love The Iron Giant. That's a good one. That's a good one. I For some reason, I thought maybe you were going to go the Wally direction, but uh, Iron Giant is a, is a very good choice. Which one would you say is the most historically significant? Um, oof. Historically significant. I'm thinking it's, I mean, it's prop out of the whole Hall of Fame, it's probably one of the rovers. Um, it would be one of the, one of the, one of the rovers. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. The ones that they explored Mars. Yeah. The Opportunity is in the, is in. So I think it's probably that one. Yeah, yeah. And they, they lasted a lot longer than the scientists that built them oh, ever yeah. thought that they were going to, which was mm -hmm. remarkable about it, too. Uh, they, they really went on and provided all sorts of valuable data and images for years beyond what was uh, initially uh, expected of them. What about weirdest? What's just the, who's the, who's the weirdest edition? Oh. The one thing up on the I-beam. I had a feeling you might go there. Wasn't that the, the Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Huey, yeah. Yeah. Huey's totally the weirdest. All right. So and, and, I, and we even mounted him that way because it's weird. Because like, <laughs> we, we could. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I wasn't really familiar with uh, that, that film as well. That, so that's right. which one? That's Silent Running, that environmental film with Bruce Dern. Is that the mm -hmm. one it is? Yeah. And do, what, do, what's the deal with those robots? Like, what are they? They're just... No they're, idea. They're, yeah, they're just bizarre. They're little, just bizarre. It's like, yeah. huh. Okay. <laughs> robots yeah. are robots. Again, yeah. inclusivity that's extends it. to all. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> 
Um, all right, very cool. Is there one that you'd say maybe is the most uh, outdated in terms of how we actually think about robots today? Oh. Um, probably Huey also. <laughs> um, probably, uh, probably Gort. From the day the of, Earth stood still. Yeah, and this sort of like, I will like red beam of eyes, kind of like I don't know. Um, yeah, probably not. Gort was know. like that Gort. massive, imposing figure that mm-hmm. stepped out of the spaceship, basically, right? That, right. Uh, the extraterrestrials that came down with the robot, they were trying to prevent Earth from self-destruction. It's it's warlike tendencies, if I remember the movie correctly, mm-hmm. and they basically shut down all of our electronics that the the earth stood still and this robot was maybe the big menacing figure just to show how how much further advanced they were than than humankind right yeah it's like "Mm, so he was one of the more how did that age yeah (laughs) he was one of the more menacing figures even to this day when you look at robots in pop culture right like uh we we really see them run the gamut from robots sometimes are uh portrayed as adversaries we have to overcome whether it's Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey, who's fighting for his own existence or Mm -hmm. perceived existence uh, against the humans that are looking to shut him down, to to the Terminator that's trying to rewrite history. Um, Even more recently, uh, Megan was the big oh. hot movie <laughs> from this year. Yeah, but then you see, you know, the 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 good side of uh, robots too, with with characters like uh, uh, Wally, who we can come to actually almost see as uh, living entities. So right. it's it's really interesting that we're we're able to humanize mm-hmm. robots as well as we have. Yep. All right, so I want to play another game with you. I want to play. You you said you liked. Uh, the notion of robots getting snubbed. So <laughs> I think it's just funny. I think it, I love the way you put it. So, so I want to play the game. Uh, who got snubbed? Okay. And 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 so I want to hear your reactions on this, and you tell me uh, whether you agree that there is a, uh, a a gaping hole in the pantheon of robots here at the Hall of Fame that we need to correct at some point in time or whether there was a legitimate reason why that robot didn't get in. So here we go. I'm gonna name some robots that are not in, and I I wanna know why. Okay. All right, so robot number one, Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons. Oh, totally snubbed. (laughs) Totally snubbed. I mean, I grew up with Rosie, right? And as, as we think about what we expected the Earth and robots to be in 2020, or in year 2000, or whatever year the Jetsons was, 2065 or whatever, Rosie was the one doing the work. She put in the time. She was making breakfast, sweeping the floors all at the same time, right? Yeah. I think Rosie totally got snubbed. Absolutely. And then you consider the little bit of sass that she'd throw in every once Absolutely. in a while, too. Absolutely, Mr. J. Sass. You know, because she was full of that. Yes. 100% snub. That was good. Right? That was a good impersonation. I could just do Rose. I just, who else he, can you do? Who knew? <laughs> who knew? I do a terrific Barack Obama. But he's not a robot. So. <laughs> no, he's not. But that was also quite impressive. <laughs> um, all right. Well, they see, now see, now I want to get into Rosie. doing some of my own impersonations, but okay. I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, all right. So, all right. Next one. Um, and this one hits home for me because I love this show so much. Uh, Bender from Futurama. Ooh. How long has that been around? 
Oh gosh, well let's see. At this point now, Ben, I'd say Futurama has been around for a good, I'm gonna end up being way off on this. I feel like it's gotta be like, considering all the times they were off the air for a while too on hiatus, mm -hmm. I think the show probably originally came out about 20 years ago at this point or something. Yeah, see, I would say not snub, not yet. Give um, another, I'd say give time? another five years. Okay. Give another five years. Okay. That I could see it going in. I'm I'm just saying again, you you have a a, a cigar chomping, you know, hard drinking robot that uh, Big fan. you know like yeah yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, got the catchphrase and everything. It's me know? on a Saturday night, right? All right, fair enough. It's, it's maybe not Bender's time yet. Not okay. not yet, but we're we're okay. getting there. Okay. And so again, we were talking a little bit before about robots who we are able to humanize in one mm -hmm. way or another. And maybe one of the great examples of that in film, in terms of robots, are they, are they their own distinct entity? Can they think for themselves? Johnny Five, Short Circuit. Johnny Five Alive. Johnny Five Alive. Uh, not in the Robot Hall of Fame. Should he be there? Was he snubbed? Toad snub. Toad snub. And again, so this is it's back to the robots of my childhood. So I, I will own that bias. <laughs> Toad snub. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, he even, the, the big moment in that movie, right, was when uh, the uh, Steve Gutenberg, I believe, was the, uh, played the, uh, the character who uh, befriended uh, Johnny Five, but mm -hmm. was not really convinced that the robot was truly alive in the sense that we consider to be alive. But the, the test that f for him, uh, the robot passed was when he told a joke mm -hmm. and the robot laughed. And the robot laughed. So there can't, you, go. you can't program that. Yep. That you cannot. All right. And so finally, one more. So this one's going to be a real life robot. Okay. Uh, okay. She is Sophia. So the humanoid robot from Hanson Robotics, who debuted seven years ago at South by Southwest, oh. uh, supposed to mimic human interaction and was actually the first robot to ever achieve legal personhood granted citizenship by Saudi Arabia. Does that make her deserving of being in the Robot Hall of Fame? Well, I think um, if, uh, if some other nations followed suit with something similar, that would be definitely something to look at um, and look back on and say, you know what, we'll put Sophia in as the first. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to see some more robot citizenship before we made that leap. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, she's a she's a pioneer in the space. Mm -hmm. uh, also, again, you talk some some female robot representation, right. which is nice. But uh, we we need to see where this goes from here. If this was just maybe one gimmicky citizenship, or if we start to maybe see some other countries follow suit in, yeah. in that regard. So, all right, yeah, fair, fair enough. So the the final tally, the final score, we have two definitive snubs. Yep, Rosie the robot. And Johnny Five. Telling you, Rosie. All right. So something to keep in mind for the future. We might even just have to put a portrait of Rosie up just to make me feel better about it right now. <laughs> All right. So let's just talk a little bit more uh, about uh, some of the robots that we've seen in pop culture. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think? Why has pop culture's fascination with robots remained so consistently strong uh, throughout the years? Um, you know, why, why do they still capture our imagination so much, robots? Because they're so cool. Um, and, and, it, and it's this weird kind of chicken or egg. It's because of our imaginations that robots are, we're fascinated by them and they capture our imaginations, right? So it's just kind of symbiotic relationship. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's because we want robots to do more things so we can do things that we want to do, right? Um, I would rather not write papers and budgets all day long until, until they make a budget robot. I got nothing. Um, but I think that's what it is. I think it's just that um, we have this sort of like vision of what the, what the future looks like. Right. Um, you know, growing up, it was all about when am I going to, when am I going to, and when am I going to have my floating car? Right. <laughs> like, you know, you know, so I think it's just all of that sort of that we sort of have built our expectations of what the future looks like. And robots are the thing that we can see there's tangible that continues to push the thing forward. Yeah. No matter how some of our uh, concepts of what the future may look like have uh, differed or evolved over the years, robots in one form or another have mm -hmm. always been somewhere in the picture, I feel like. Absolutely. Do you, do you think our overall perceptions of robots changed over the years in any meaningful way? Uh, I think they probably have. Um, you know, mostly now is we've gotten even more robots on Mars. We've gotten robots into the depths of the oceans and, you know, robots are helping us advance our understanding of the universe around us. And it's giving robots a little bit more, more street cred, right? <laughs> like they're turning back things to us that were like, that are helping us build our own better future. And so we're starting to trust a little bit more. We're starting to, to feel a different way and see them in a different light. Um, you know, a lot of us, again, I have a Roomba at home. It hasn't had to pick up anything from a dog or scoot through <laughs> anything from a dog. So it's fine. Um, but between that and, you know, we're getting into things like, um, I have a very connected home. So I say, Hey, Alexa, I need the lights turned on. And she, she supports me in that way. Right. Yeah. And so I think all, I think that and all these things are really kind of converging, um, and making us as a, you know, as humans feel more comfortable with robots being around as just daily parts of what we do. Yeah. And over the course of the last year, uh, things have changed pretty dramatically because of the emergence of chat GPT yeah. and generative AI. And now everybody's talking about it and it really does seem like suddenly um, artificial intelligence and machine learning has taken a big leap. Uh, and I'm wondering if that is also uh, changing our perception again of uh, of robots uh, today here in 2023. And uh, do we... Uh, should we? Is that something that we should be optimistic about because it could open up so many new worlds of possibilities? Is it something that we should be pessimistic about because you know maybe now these robots are capable of taking over some of our jobs that uh, were previously we felt were safe? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in the exhibit context of what I what I do is I want to make sure that we use AI as much as possible <laughs> to do the things that we don't want, need to spend a lot of time on. I wrote an entire exhibit brief uh, a couple months ago on an exhibit just using ChatGPT. Like now, I have to go in and you know edit, and make sure that it makes 100% sense and it's entirely factual. But it did great, right? And so I think uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of healthy skepticism that we need to have in this. Um, you know, is as AI is being able to take photos and take images and ch make changes to things. We actually just use it for an exhibit uh, project we're working on. I just got it this morning in my email of we took an image and we needed to take the exhibitry out of that image to put in new exhibitry that we had designed. 
And we asked, and, and it did it for us, mm-hmm. which would have taken my uh, graphic designer hours and hours and hours to do in a way that you know looked professional. So I think there's, uh, I think there's a lot of room for it. I think there's a lot of room for growth in what AI is capable of to help us do the things that we want to do. Um, but I think we've got to have some some healthy skepticism about making sure it's uh, it's not you know a runaway train either. Yeah, for sure. So you've been using it and applying it towards some of the uh, behind the scenes work mm-hmm. uh, here at the museum. Does this also open up a potential new chapter of uh, having a future exhibits on AI? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I actually just reviewed an exhibition on VR, on virtual reality, and saw how they mapped out that space to just to get the general public up to speed on what VR is and how it's used and how it can be used. And I think I think there's definitely some uh, some availability to do that in this context as well. Yeah, so you could see customer or, or visitor facing mm-hmm. uh, AI applications where uh, th- that could help enhance the experience for the viewer. You could see exhibits actually on the subject of artificial intelligence and maybe that this is sort of the, the next chapter for the Robot Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. What's uh, one thing that you think humans will always be able to do better than a robot? Do you think there are still some things that are that humans are, are, are best suited toward? Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is is creative work. Um, a lot of the work that we do here at the Science Center, a lot of the work we do specifically in the exhibits department, a lot of that creative work that maybe has a lot of more nuance than um, than AI can sort of help suss out. Um, I, if the world were my oyster, um, I would have AI write all my business plans, write all my Mm. budgets, and I would just focus on the experience, focus on the creative piece on what we do, focus on how we communicate science concepts to the general public. Yeah. Give, give the computer more of the boring menial stuff and then you do the focus on the fun stuff. Right. Basically. Absolutely. Uh, Data from Star Trek Mm -hmm. is one of the robots in the Robot Hall of Fame uh, in one of the uh, later uh, years of the the next generation. One of the films, Data received an emotion chip and could then uh, feel emotions or simulated emotions. Uh, do Do you think a robot might ever really truly be able to feel real emotions? I think there's a whole lot of worms with that. So I I hope not because I think that might, I think we need something that is the hard line between robot and human. I think emotion could be that hard line. One of the interesting things with robots all the time that you see is there's this notion of the uh, uncanny valley where uh, the closer that a robot gets to appearing uh, humanoid, uh, there's a certain point at which if, if if it's close, but it is still just slightly off, uh, there's this notion that humans end up being repulsed and repelled by because they can just tell that something is off. And maybe in some cases, it's better to just have a very robot looking robot than a humanoid robot if it's not going to be close to perfect, because otherwise 
it creeps you out. It creeps you out. Have you uh, personally uh, experienced that through any of the the robots that uh, you've worked with uh, here at the museum, or do you think do you think we'll be able to get over the uncanny valley creepiness of humanoid robots? Yeah, I think we'll. Def- it's definitely something that humans will eventually get over. I have not had that experience here, um, but because our robots are very robots, yeah, <laughs> like, right, there is right, no right. mistake in that. But yeah, I think you know over again. It's it's over time as human understanding evolves, as more as robots help us do more things on a more regular basis. I think we will kind of get over that. Are there any current real life implementations of robots that that you find most exciting right now? Uh, something that could potentially make the Robot Hall of Fame, uh, let's say, 10 years from now. Oh, um, well, I mean, I'm a space nerd. So one thing I think it'd be really cool is to have the little uh, helicopter that's on Mars flying around in the Robot Hall of Fame. But probably not for another probably 15, 20 years, I guess, before <laughs> we could see that. Um yeah, I you know what's the line between Tesla's autopilot and robot? Like, what's the good question? Because Kit from Knight Rider, that's a robot car, right? I could see. I I, I have room for to park a Tesla back here if if uh, if that were to be part of that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, there's, there's a couple ideas. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you were to add more inductees. Uh, who would you still like to see added? We talked about a couple of snubs, so let's take those out of the equation. Sure. Is there an- another one that that jumps to mind that you'd love to see in a f- future addition to the Hall of Fame? Um, y- you know, there's a lot of really interesting robots, and we also mentioned, like, touched on Megan earlier on that are in TV and film. That I think would be really cool. Um, I think I. As it like as it pertains to the actual exhibition, I think that one of the inductees that is in the Hall of Fame that we don't have a model of, Wally, I think would be a great addition. Oh, to the be, exhibition, yeah, absolutely. He's one that you know maybe you could even uh, you know take out of the uh, display case and and actually if you could actually operate Wally a little bit uh, on his little. Um, his, his, on his treads, treads yeah. yeah yeah that'd be fun that'd be super cool watch him uh you know get him to and and, and maybe you could even get him to, to clean up the museum a little bit i'm telling you there's a lot of popcorn back there from the <laughs> movie theater you can just sweep it up absolutely be great uh and it's it's funny because that you mentioned him because uh he's going to be uh a little bit of a part of this other game that i do want to play with you okay uh and this is where uh i'm gonna games <laughs> well I, I hope you like this one <laughs> You might hurt a couple of the robots' feelings with this oh. one. If they do have emotions, if you're, they do, you're about is... to hurt their feelings. Okay. Uh, because I'm going to select two random robots that are in your Hall of Fame and ask your opinion on which one would win in a robot fight. Okay. Okay. I've been practicing for this one for a long time. Okay. So Usually here we it's go. with Marvel and DC characters, but let's do it. Okay. Then let the robot battle begin. Ready? So we're going to do three of these. So the first one, the T2 Terminator. Okay. Okay. Versus the Iron Giant. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with, with Terminator. Okay. Terminator. All right. Why? I need, I mean, I need like, the analysis on this. I mean, like, how could you not? I mean, he just, 
he can do so many things, like lethal things. I feel like, like after a while, it's gonna be like, bro, it's over with. No, totally. But I mean, the Iron Giant is it towers over him though, and he seems pretty indestructible. He survived a nuclear blast. Details. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it by now, I feel like <laughs> statute of spoiler limitations is over. Um, y- yes, but Terminator's gonna go all day. They're going to go all day. And Iron Giant, big, a little cumbersome. You know, it's like it's like the Hulk versus Ant-Man. The smaller guy can go yes. the distance. Yes. I should, by the way, clarify uh, when I say the Terminator 2 robot, because obviously there were there were two Terminators. We're not talking about the liquid metal alloy one. We're talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Arnold, yeah, the Arnold. Classic T-800. The Arnold. It's, you, yeah. you, you have so many hidden talents. You just never know. All right, ready? All right, here's another one. Okay. Uh, We mentioned a couple of these guys already. Uh, Data from Star Trek versus R2-D2. So this is your classic Star Trek versus Star Wars. So you're not only just going to make, you know, the robots angry now. You're going to make basically legions of fans for one of these franchises or another incredibly mad at you with your answer. Incredibly mad at me. Um, I'm going to go with Data. Okay, so why is that? Way more intelligent, bipedal. It's always having two legs is always very helpful. Um, you know, whereas where I see that R two D two can be very helpful and works on things very quickly in the moment. I don't. Again, I don't think R two D two is built for law for a sustained engagement. Okay. Okay. I think Data is and is just a little smarter, mm-hmm. a whole lot smarter actually. Um, and I feel like Data has a little bit more, not far, a little bit more handle of nuance. Okay. Just a tad. Whereas R2-D2 is very like, this is what's in the data sheet. This is what, I have, what I'm going to do. Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. I would make the argument that R2-D2 is sort of bipedal also. I mean, he's got the two feet, but he's kind of got that roller, roller thing to go along with it. So yeah, it's, is it three got, feet? Like, is it two feet? He is, yeah. Maybe he's more like a tripod. Uh, I mean, I will say that he does also have all those little secret hidden chambers uh, with little weapons and mm-hmm. lasers and things like that. So you don't know what he might be equipped with versus Data who basically has his phaser. You know, that's right. so, so weapon wise, I don't know. It could be Ooh, kind of yeah, cl- close, uh, but uh, but R2-D2 also does get a little bit snippy sometimes with C-3PO. So maybe he loses his cool a little bit. And maybe that's where the edge comes in. Well, for, for right. Data. In R2-D2, you have to really self-interpret what the beeps and boops mean. So. <laughs> that's true, too. Yeah, that that's a good point. All right. So last one. And we mentioned both of these guys. Uh, and I, I'm really curious to what what you're going to say about this one, because this is fictional versus real life here. Okay. Okay. Wally. Okay. Or Roomba. Who mops the floor with who? <laughs> I love what you did in there. Um, I, I feel like this goes to Wally. I feel like this is too easy though. I feel like, what am I not thinking of? Yeah. yeah think carefully. Think there might be angles to this that you're There's not initially. There's definitely going to be angles to this. I'm going to go with Wally. I mean, Roomba's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to clean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, Roomba seems very one note. That's true. But uh, again, like let's, let's just say in this fictional scenario, okay. let's, let's extrapolate this a little bit. What, what does Roomba have maybe to its advantage? Bristles. Uh, but it has bristles. Oh. 
cats love to ride on them. Well, and cats are evil. So, so and and so you could have an army of cats that you know could be sort of part of his, you know, <laughs> part of his like evil legion of like uh, goons to like help him in the fight against Wally. Wally also, you know, I don't. He's got. Does he have the heart? to really win in a battle. He seems like such a, a pacifist. He seems like he's just such a, he's so good natured. He loves everything and everyone. I'm not sure he would have it in his heart to do away with Roomba. Yeah, I, that is a good argument. Um, but <laughs> Roomba, wow. With cats? You're gonna win on cats? That's crazy. That's crazy. Evil cats, though. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I get I'm it. not that's saying crazy. that's 100% Roomba or anything like that. Wow. But I just was trying to, you know. Again, it's going to be a long and very slow-moving battle. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's probably, gonna be like, it's probably not going to be in, like, your next episode of BattleBot uh, no, Arena or not, anything it's like not that. It's not going to be. Iron. It is, yeah, that's it's, for sure. It's, it's not going to be particularly compelling viewing. I would, I would agree with you on that. Wow. Uh, it's like Masters Golf. Wow. <laughs> Watching paint dry. Okay. <laughs> All right, Marcus. Well, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you, what is the future of this museum when it comes to the Robot Hall of Fame? What is the next iteration? I know, again, it's been a little bit scaled back from the original Robo World exhibit, but you said there is hope for future inductees. There is hope for this Robot Hall of Fame to continue to uh, exist and potentially be added onto, and we could see new mm -hmm. exhibits in the future. So where would you like to see this go? Yeah, well, thanks for asking, and thanks for, for talking to me about this today. I think not only would I, I would like to see some more inductees, but um, you know, we're an interactive science center, right? And so I'd like to see how we can push the envelope to create some more interaction. So when people come to see these robots, now it's right now it's very static so give them an opportunity to get their hands dirty mm -hmm. yeah that would be great that's always fun i love anything engaging and interactive and immersive like that uh always makes for a, a great exhibit so i'll be really curious to see I, I i would say you know if it's even possible right now to uh i'd love to see the other remaining uh, of the 34 robots, the ones that aren't represented currently in the movie theater hallway there, even if you had like a, a, a kiosk or some kind of little mm. display where you could still look up the remaining members of the Hall of Fame right now, I know you can do it online. It would be great to see some kind of physical representation there uh, of just the other uh, members while you're here uh, within the hallways. But mm -hmm. I, I am really looking forward to seeing uh, what may come uh, in the future. And if you do certainly add that, Wally robot, uh, let me know because I will want to see that for sure. Sounds good. Uh, so with that, we are officially out of time. But before we go, it is my distinct pleasure to inform you that you have been officially inducted into the Hall Pass Hall of Fame of Halls of Fame. Nice. For this, you receive no plaque, hmm. no bust, no inscription, no replica of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> in a glass display case. <laughs> but you do get a hearty thank you for letting me come here today and a congratulations for me for all that you've done. I know this must be a tremendous honor for you, maybe the greatest one you've ever received. You have 30 seconds to give a speech or thanks, whoever you would like to thank. Well, it's definitely a top uh, 400 honor for me. So um, thank you. Thanks for coming. And uh, yeah, let's see what we can do with robots. 
All right. Sounds good. Uh, really, for real, thank you so very much for having me today. Really appreciate it. It's been great. A lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun walking around the, your hallways of the museum as well. Um, there's a lot more to this museum, by the way, the Carnegie Science Center, uh, than just uh, the robots. You have a whole sports science mm -hmm. exhibit, uh, the Mars exhibit, like I said. What's what's the, Is that the, the, the newest, biggest thing you have? Yeah, so Mars Next Giant Leap has been open for a little over 200 days. So it is definitely the newest permanent exhibition we have. Uh, we're celebrating uh, Taylor Swift's uh, concert this weekend in our 103-year-old Miniature Railroad and Village Gallery. So in addition to Sportsworks and our uh, Cold War era submarine, there's a lot to do here at Carnegie Science Center every day of the year. Yeah, always a lot of fun uh, here in downtown Pittsburgh at the Carnegie Science Center. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode. I am Bradley Barth, your hall monitor and aspiring future Hall of Fame podcaster. Signing off for now on this episode, but I will see you all on the next edition of Hall Pass. Oh, anybody get to hear me do my Rosie impression? Oh, no, they are. They are lucky to have been here. <laughs> uh.